Lisboa, Bruxelas, Varsóvia. Europe is us with Dino. Europe is us, but who are we? Stay with us and you'll find out. My name is Dino and as per usual, I'll be your host. Today's theme is privacy. Today's guest is Trine Kose, student of information society and social well-being at Tartu University in Estonia. Trine, welcome to our podcast. Let's get to know you. Yes, hello. I'm Trine. I study at Tartu University. I'm in the first semester and I'm studying the information society and social well-being uh, with a con- concentration on just sociology and information studies so my studies also include a bit about uh, privacy but more about how information is stored and retrieved and uh, at on and i have also been pretty active in the youth participation field um, since the end of seventh uh, eighth grade i started to be a part of uh, the local youth council and from there i have been the previous um, council of europe youth delegate and now i'm the estonian and european union youth delegate so i'm taking a part uh, or um, helping lead the youth dialogue in estonia and yeah i'm also connected to a network uh, of Europeans that are youngsters who have gone to erasmus plus and dsc projects and we're trying to promote them so that's what I do after school. Trina, I'd like to keep the focus on you for a while. So my question is, what do you do to keep your name and image clean on your own social media accounts? What are you cautious about regarding your data available to the public? Mm, uh, I am more aware of uh, stuff than I actually take uh, precautions on because I know that there's like really uh, silly pictures or something that I wouldn't want to be on my Facebook feed still there because I just haven't had the time to go through it uh, or haven't taken the time to delete everything that has been posted there uh, when we were young teenagers and there was this trend to post uh, ugly pictures of uh, people for their birthday. So I know that there's a lot I would like to do about my image and the data that is there uh, accessible in internet about me but i think some everyday things uh, i would like to say that i'm pretty good at passwords i think it's still like not nowhere near uh, what is the actual good but uh, i am improving on that field and uh, some random things like i always uh, try to not click the accept all cookies policy but i'm always scrolling down and only um, selecting the necessary ones whenever i have uh, the time or um, yeah these are some of the random things I think about yeah. and based on what you study I believe you talk about today's topic rather often but would you say that privacy concerns are discussed about enough in the schooling system in general I think it's definitely not anything that's spoken enough about it's just because we don't understand it it's really hard to understand how the data that is collected about us is managed and how much data do do companies actually have about us. We had this uh, small exercise in school that we had to write to uh, five companies and ask what uh, data they have stored about us. And it was really eye-opening. And I feel like when you're not studying anything information or data related or privacy related, 
then it's really not the part of the studies. Um, and it's not a discussion between youngsters as well. I think like the image we give off on internet definitely is. I think Gen Z is really aware of uh, what they want to, I don't know, post or just leave on the internet. We might uh, leave pretty uh, nasty comment, the comments and stuff, but I still think that in the like a general Gen Z youngsters are pretty aware that whatever they do in the internet is there and won't go away, but they still like don't know the big picture really. And as always, Europe is us takes you around Europe. And I'm glad to hear the following bit of interview with Marco Puschner, independent professional associate at the Faculty of Social Sciences of the University of Ljubljana here in Slovenia. Let's listen to his comment on privacy protection culture in Slovenia. It is typical for Gen Z as well as for a large part of the rest of the population that we have a lack of privacy protection culture. Both adults and young people are not sufficiently aware of the need to protect privacy and why. They actually have to learn that. If teachers in schools and parents at home do not know how to protect privacy and share all family information online, then how will young people learn that it is necessary to protect their privacy? In the end, unfortunately, they realize this through unpleasant experiences they get, which is not the best, because it always has some consequences. Back to you, Trine. I heard in an interview of yours that you used the powerful sentence, which goes a bit like, if the product is free, then you are the product. We're not fully aware of the value of our personal data, right? Yeah. I think it's like pretty widely known amongst youngsters that when uh, the product is free, then you are the product. And we kind of know it and we acknowledge it, but it's still, if it's not an immediate threat to ourselves, if it's some big corporations having a lot of data about a lot of people, then it's not something we can see with our own eyes that there's a big risk for security breaches or something that could be done with that massive amount of data. Uh, so we don't really see it as a threat or don't uh, take it uh, that uh, consciously, but we more concentrate on the things that we can see with our eyes. So that's where the gap comes in, that we don't really know what's going on. I think I haven't had, my friends have had those uh, scam emails that we all think we are so aware about and we never fall into the loopholes uh, or whatever manipulations they send. But then there was just like one really smart friend who was in a rush and then wanted to retrieve a package that uh, they got an SMS about and then they lost several hundreds of euros. So there's like this, um, some small security steps that we just uh, skip when we are in a rush. So there are a lot of negative experiences out there, definitely. And it's not only companies or big corporations looking at or using our data. It's used when it comes to personal relations on the web as well. Seems like a stalker, as we like to call them, can know more about you than you yourself nowadays. Yes, definitely. It's really um, 
even if it's not that easy, then people are used to stalking people. And it's something we definitely do when we get to know new people. And it is like commonly known that, I don't know, it's a, a bit of a shameful thing or something that's not nice, but it's so normalized. So people still do it. And I think it's re pretty reasonable if there's like information about people in the, um, in, online then you just want to look it up and yeah well um it's a random uh, story i always tell when there's asked uh, one fun fact about you then there's the uh in facebook you can put where you live and when i was uh, a teenager in 2014 i really liked the game called topia so i put it as my like living place so now i can't remove it so Whenever somebody goes to my Facebook, they can see that I have lived in Cortopia and it's literally not removable from there and I don't want to create a new Facebook account because of it. So uh, that's like a funny story that doesn't affect my privacy in any way. But there's uh, definitely also a connection with how we share our location with the friends. It's like really uh, common to have Life 360 on your phone with your friends or use the Find My Friends uh, application. So sometimes I just forget it and then there's a friend who I'm going to visit and they're maybe saying that, oh, you're at this uh, crossroads, you can take the bus and then you will be either quicker and then I will just be in a bit of a shock that how do they know where I am and at what time. But it's actually like really understandable because we have both consented to actually sharing our location. Trine, I've got three short questions left for you. They are very easy, I promise. What comes up your mind if I'd ask you about your favorite memory? Right now, it's definitely last week. Me and my friend decided that there's really beautiful snow out there. So we went on top of the hill and we just rolled down from there. Uh, we were really wet and cold afterwards, but it was uh, truly a nice feeling to be um, just rolling down from the mountain while you are a grown adult. <laughs> That was fun. And what is your worst fear? Oh, I think it's regretting something really big. I used to be more of an overthinker or just really indecisive, but I think it uh, has gotten better with time, but it's still... I do sometimes fear that I will be making some decisions or leaving some decisions unmade that I will regret later. And it has never happened, but I'm still scared of it. <laughs> what would be your biggest wish? Well, if I could <laughs> could have something that could solve world peace, that would be amazing. <laughs> and I really hope that not just happiness to me and also to people that are uh, not in the best situations uh, right now who are suffering uh, with so much injustice. I feel like erasing injustice from the planet would also be something I would really like to <laughs> achieve. We can dream, right? <laughs> thank you, Trina. And thank you all for your attention. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and listen to what we have to say because Europe is us. Lisboa, Brussels, Varsava, Varsava.